unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. All right, welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today? Nathan, I'm great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. And we're returning to my favorite series of episodes we've ever done on this podcast today. And uh, I'm excited for what we've got lined up for the listeners. Yeah, me too. Thanks. So we're back with another show in the Old Masters series today. And first, I need to tell you about something you probably never knew about before, the RCA principle. I end up telling even some of my most advanced mentoring clients about the RCA principle, which I learned about from Joe Carbo in his book, The Lazy Man's Way to Riches. The RCA principle is a copywriting concept that goes like this. Build the best radio you can and then take as many parts out of it as you can until it stops working. Now, in copywriting terms, that means write the best whatever you can and then whittle it down to the smallest number of words possible. So that's the RCA principle. It sounds simple enough, right? All you have to do is write big and edit it down to as tight as possible. The problem is no one has the faintest idea of how to do this. Uh, Fair enough. I didn't learn this in school myself, even in the college newspaper, even in my private tutorial with a journalism department chair who previously worked for Time magazine. So on today's show, I had to turn to the old master of concise, powerful writing himself, Rudolph Flesch. In just seconds, I will tell you more about him. But first, here's some concise, powerful writing I did myself. Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. Now, about Rudolph Flesch. You know him already, although you may not realize it, through the readability index he helped create. Although, again, you might not have realized this. So if you ever look for a readability score on your copy, which you can do with Microsoft Word or with online apps, as many other writers do, that comes directly out of Flesch's work. He was born in Vienna, Austria in 1911. In 1938, he fled to the United States to escape the Nazis. By 1943, he had earned a PhD in library science from Columbia University. It was then and there that he developed the flesh reading ease formula. Okay. And this has evolved into the readability index that so many copywriters use today. So I took one of his books, The Art of Readable Writing, and I cracked it open like a walnut. That's right. I picked out the most important pieces to show you how to use the tools of an old master 
to implement the RCA principle. And I know I've thrown a lot of stuff at you quickly, so just to review, the RCA principle is build the biggest radio you can and then keep out taking out parts until it works. Stops working. Then put that last part back in. On the show, um, we go over these five steps harvested from the art of readable writing. We're going to do that today. And as a special bonus for copywriter podcast subscribers, I'm also showing you the equivalent step each time for achieving a Joe Carbo RCA principle result. I know that sounds kind of fuzzy, so let's just jump right in. So what we're doing is, let's say we want to write something. We want to write a mechanism description. We want to write a product description. We want to write a narrative in the copy about what your life will be like after you started using this product. Any, any copy that you want to write. The step number one, which shouldn't seem too unfamiliar, is research and organize. Now, the Joe Carbo RCA principle equivalent of research and organize is design the biggest, best radio you can. Don't build it yet, just design it. So I've got a term here from Rudolph Flesh, readable writing. Uh, he means it's easy to read and it's interesting. And as you know, not all writing is that. It's not all writing is not easy to read. All writing is not interesting, but certainly the best copy is. So Flesh says, step one is you need to lay the groundwork when you're doing your research. He says, at the same time you gather your facts, you must also get a hold of two more things. First, your framework, and second, your verbal illustrations. Your reader will need a firm framework and colorful verbal illustrations to remember what you've written. This will all come together, he says, as you're organizing your research. So <clears throat> let's say you've done your research, you have all kinds of facts, and you turn them to 100 bullet points. As you're writing them out, you start to get a sense of how to put this all together. Your organizational scheme starts to take a vague, foggy shape in your mind. This is the raw material for your first draft. It's not even your first draft. It's more like a compass, an idea, a laser beam in the fog. This is the direction I'm going in. And believe me, it does not have to be perfect. It just has to be something. Okay? It's also going to be long and wordy and awkward and over the top. Way too much to use at the end of the day, but at the start, it's great. And this is like the design for the gigantic star-studded Joe Carbo radio, RCA radio. Okay, that's step one. Step two is give shape to your idea. And the Joe Carbo equivalent is build the biggest, bestest radio you can. So now, you take all those bullet points and facts and features and you cobble them all together. Don't try to be economical with your words at this point. Don't try to be clever. Just pull it all together so that it has a form, a shape. You want to put as much as you can into your description at this point. We'll, get, we'll tighten it up later, but right now, as much as you can. What you're looking for in all of this work is an angle, a perspective. <clears throat> Flesh says, all these words mean your mind is operating just like your eye or your camera when you're looking at an object. To see the object clearly, 
you have to find the right focus, the right perspective, the right angle of vision. Only when all these things are taken care of do you really see what the object is like. It's kind of hard to describe what he's talking about, but if you've ever been through this part of the writing process yourself, I think you know what I'm talking about. You're sort of like you're feeling your way in the dark um, through a room, and suddenly you start to realize where you are, where the familiar objects are, where the edge of the furniture is, and where the light switch is. Flash says, once you see this clearly, your reader will see it too. And that, the shape of your idea, is usually all he is going to carry away from his reading. Think about that. So sometimes the shape of the idea, which could be memorable, can be interesting, can contain interesting images or verbal illustrations, is more important than the idea itself. This is a tough one for writers who are conceptual, like myself, uh, who deal a lot in abstract ideas. But what we're talking about is something different. So in terms of copy, in our second step, we have come to realize the shape of the idea. Say we're talking about a product description. Okay, we cram as many features and benefits into it as we can. We do this in a way that makes sense, but we understand that it will just be a first draft. Overloaded, bloated, somewhat organized, but subject to revision for sure. The main thing is that it all hangs together. We know it's subject to revision refinement, and we'll get to that. When you have some copy and the performance of the copy is mission critical, who are you going to call? Not Ghostbusters. They don't do copy critiques last time I checked. A lot of people, from the most advanced to the up-and-coming copywriters, reach out to me. I do copy critiques. One client, Brett Alcorn, has hired me 20 times. Yep, 20 times. That's because on the very first critique I did for him, he doubled his conversions on a video sales letter. Every month, I do a handful of critiques for GKIC members. These are copywriters and small business owners who are trained and experienced, but they need another set of experienced eyes to go over their copy to take it to the next level. One A-lister told me I go over copy like an IRS auditor. Now, I wasn't sure whether to take that as a compliment or not, but he assured me it was. He said, I can find the one flaw or several flaws in copy that no one else was able to and make winning suggestions on how to fix them. So when you need a copy critique, just go to garfinkelcoaching.com and click on the services tab, garfinkelcoaching.com for a critique. Thank you. And now back to the show. Step number three is make longer words shorter. Uh, the Joe Carbo equivalent of this is instead of giant vacuum tubes and huge amounts of space in the radio, you're using chips and PC boards and anything else you can to make the big bad radio work more efficiently. We haven't started to pull parts out yet. We're just trying to, you know, get rid of the bloat. And here we're only going to do one thing in this third step. We're going to get rid of quote, unquote, modern words that don't refer to a physical object like this, but might refer to a new concept like nut allergies, which is not really a thing. Um, I'll give you another example, the word neuroplasticity. It's an excellent word. 
I love what it refers to, the brain's ability to grow, even when you're a grown-up. But you can't see, you can't literally see a neuroplasticity because a neuroplasticity does not exist in the physical world. It's an abstract concept. Notice the definition I just gave you, the brain's ability to grow even when you're a grown-up. That has images for almost all of the words. Maybe not ability, but you're familiar with that word. Just about all the other nouns and verbs. Brain, grow, grown-up, you, right? So here's what Flesh says about the big abstract words. Most of the long, complex words in modern prose are not labels for things in the world around us, but condensed expressions of abstract ideas that can be expressed just as well in two or more short words. He gives the example in his book of the word radioactivity, which was on a lot of people's minds in 1949 when he wrote the book, just a few years after the U.S. dropped A-bombs on Nagasaki and Hiroshima. Flesh says that the fact that these words are condensed expressions of abstract ideas, this is proved by the fact that at one time or another, our ancestors did not express them that way. So a big problem for us writers copywriters and all other writers is that the institutions where writers get trained, schools, business, government, and even some publishing companies traffic in these abstract words all the time. It becomes a habit to use them, but it really screws up your copy. So in this step, weed them out and replace them. Okay. Number four, step number four. So let's review what we've done, because this is pretty heady, all this stuff. So our, our first step was to research and organize and then, you know, throw it all into the kitchen sink. That's the second step. Give shape to your idea. Throw it into a mold or mold it. Uh, give it a form. Uh, third thing is to make the longer words shorter. The big words, the words with a lot of syllables that you can't see as a label of something in the world around you. Okay, now we're going to really get to the trimming down part. Um, and strangely, this next part, step four, is not about, you know, editing out, removing stuff. This is about organi organ further organization, a new organizing idea. Step four is organize your copy with now shorter words into a chronological story. This is interesting because this is something I've never heard before, and I love it. Um, the carbo equivalent would be rearrange the parts of your big new radio into the smallest space possible. Now, at the time that Rudolf Flesch wrote his book, the two fact-based magazines with the widest circulations in the U.S. were Reader's Digest and Time Magazine. And for years, Flesh tried in vain to get the editors of the magazines to share their secrets of how they reached the mass audience with their prose. But he got answers like, well, there's really no secret. We just do it. And other meaningless, not helpful answers. However, Flesh lucked out when 
Time Magazine had its 25th anniversary, and it published the following, and I quote, The basis of good Time Magazine writing is narrative, and the basis of good narrative is to tell events, one, in the order in which they occur, and two, in the form in which an observer might have seen them, so readers can imagine themselves on the scene. A time story must be completely organized from beginning to end, and it must go from nowhere to somewhere to sit down when it arrives. It sounds like kind of duh, but it's actually profound. Think about why that works. That's because that's how we perceive stuff in real life. So it's how we're already used to experiencing things. Therefore, and this is the keeper, it requires the least mental effort for a reader to take it in and believe it because it seems real. So, in our carbo-RCA principle process, this fourth step is we take our bloated description and trim it down into a manageable story. We trim the fat. Now, this could be anything. And remember, we're going to turn it into a story. The product's origin story, a case study of the product in action, and a story about how the prospect will use the product. People are interested in stories just because we're wired that way. Um, When you put them in chronological order and you keep them as interesting, and by the way, they involve humans as possible, um, people tend to pay more attention and like them better. So when you take this story, put it in chronological order, you finish this step, okay? That's number four. And number five is edit ruthlessly to get your story to the fewest number of words possible. By the way, side comment. This is where a lot of people start. Um, They start editing before they have their shape, before they know what to keep in and what to leave out. They're just, you know, they're in a rush. They haven't allotted enough time and creative energy, mental space to this process. They don't realize how incredibly vitally important it is that they start here. If you do those first four steps first, this will be a lot easier and it'll be a lot more effective. So let's get into step number five. Edit ruthlessly to get your story into the fewest words possible. The carbo equivalent of this is this is where you take all the parts of the radio out until it stops working, and then you put that last part back in. So this is where, with copy, this is where we bring it on home. Shorter sentences. Edit ruthlessly. Cut out the details which bog the story down. Leave out the boring stuff. Flesh says short sentences are easy to write. Remember that compound sentences... Compound sentences, those with and and but, they're not so bad. But what you want to go after is complex sentences. He says, look for the joints where the conjunctions are, if, because, as, and so on, and split those sentences up. If that makes your style too choppy, then change the punctuation. So it it doesn't mean that you want to eliminate those entirely, but when Words like, I mean, for example, there's um, a very famous direct mail letter opening, which 
Gary Halbert has used and many other people have followed with, um, we could use it here. If you are looking for a way to implement Joe Carbo's RCA principle, this will be the most important podcast you have ever heard. Okay, so that's not a bad sentence, but a lot of times you have these sentences which get really long in 30, 40 words, and they're full of ifs, because, asses, and so on. Uh, pro tip, you can have a sentence where because is the second part of the sentence, end it right before because and start the new sentence with the word because. And I know your English teacher said you can't do that, but I give you permission to. So now you can. Okay. So we do this and voila, we have a radio with the fewest number of parts. We have copy with the fewest number of words written in the most appealing way possible. We have successfully implemented the RCA principle. So let's go through these five steps and then Nathan, uh, I know you have that nagging question. I, I'm, I'm just about to uh, shut up, so hang in there. Uh, all right. Step number one, research and organize. Step number two, give shape to your idea. Step number three, make longer words shorter. Step number four, organize your copy into a chronological story. And step number five, edit ruthlessly to get your story into the fewest words possible. Again, the book is The Art of Readable Writing by Rudolf Flesch. Um, there are a few copies available on Amazon, used copies. It's out of print, but uh, we put the link to Amazon in the show notes, and you should be able to find one if you really want it. Okay, I have two questions now. All right. Number one, and this one requires a little bit of backstory. So my first business was a hip-hop production company. Yeah. And one thing that I noticed was we would go in, we would record the songs, we would spend an entire session recording and mixing down a song. And then we would wait a couple of days before we did the final mix. We wanted to have fresh ears. Sometimes we would do the mix in a different studio just so it was a different listening environment. I've noticed the same thing when I'm editing copy. If I try to edit a piece of copy that I just finished writing, I'm going to miss a lot of stuff. But if I go back two or three days later and re-edit it with fresh eyes, I catch all kinds of stuff that I didn't catch the first time. So your thoughts on that? Am I on to something there? Oh, yeah. Um, well, it's funny. I'm, I am familiar. Um, I mean, you know, now I know country, Western music was not your thing, but Buck Owens actually had the front of a car in his studio with an AM radio speaker so he could hear what his music would sound like uh, when people were driving around in their Fords and their Chevys. Um, and yeah, um, certainly with copy. And, and, and also when you're mixing music, yeah, you, you definitely want to give it a day or two. Um, with copy, I have a theory about that. Um, first of all, I totally agree with it. It's a really good practice. Everyone should do that. And that means giving, I think, if you're driven by deadlines, giving yourself early false deadlines so that you'll have some breathing space before you implement your copy or turn it into a client. When you're writing copy and you're at your best, it's like your brain is heated up. It's like you're excited. Your enthusiasm is there. You're emotional. And being in an emotional state, say, 
oh, we, we were talking about the uh, coronavirus. Uh, hopefully it'll be all gone by the time this airs, but it, it could have killed half the world too. We don't know. But you don't want someone who's really excited to be in a lab looking at slides under a microscope. You want someone who's a little more calm and rational and even-headed. And so in the same way, although your copy is not toxic or lethal, hopefully, except in a good way, um, you um, want to be the, you, you want to cool down and, and you don't, you don't want to like chill. You want to take some time to be away from it so you can look at it um, properly from a distance, which um, you can't really do very well if you've, if you've been on a roll when you're writing it. Okay, so my second question was, all of these make perfect sense for writing a sales letter. What about copywriters that are more in maybe writing uh, white papers or case studies? Oh, yeah. Uh, even more so. I mean, Rudolph Flesch um, was not primarily an advertising industry guy. His PhD was in library science. I mean, how many books about copywriting will you find in libraries versus how many white papers will you find in libraries? Probably a lot more white papers. Um, and so he was about writing anything. Um, I, I was a technical journalist. I've worked with um, engineering companies on technical writing. And even those uh, work better uh, because one thing... This is like breaking news from Copyright Podcast. Engineers are human beings too, and they um, like stories better than they do like their data sheets. They do like their tech specs. They do like to nerd out in that stuff. But um, when you're trying to get their attention and keep their attention, story works really good. I mean, it might be a different kind of story. It might be Avatar, the movie, as opposed to Titanic, the movie. But yeah, so how about that? Okay, perfect. All right, David, you get you dumped a lot on us today, but a lot of valuable stuff. And uh, I think that each piece of these, each each one of these five, was important to all include in one episode. If people want to get more copywriters podcast episodes, where can they go? They can go to copywriterspodcast dot com. And just as a reminder, we're also on YouTube. Um, we have a video of the whole show there, so. Uh, uh, just, just, uh, just search for copywriters podcast on YouTube and you'll see all of them. Awesome. All right, man. Until next time, we will catch you later. See you later. Before we go, a quick question. Would you like to have me as a guest on your podcast? Let me give you an easy way to contact me about that. We've put up a form on garfinkelmedia.com, and it won't take much more than a minute to fill it out. So if you'd like to have me on your show, just go to garfinkelmedia.com and fill out the form. That's garfinkelmedia.com. Thanks, and see you next time on the Copywriters Podcast. This show was brought to you by the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.